grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust. <laughs> oh no. Never fails, does it? Good evening, everybody. Welcome to California Haunts Radio. I'm going to be your host tonight for the next hour, I hope, the way this is going already. Uh, my name is Charlotte. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state of California, which means if you have a paranormal need, you we can get to you. I'm just looking at something real quick, waiting for a graphic to come up. Anything that can go wrong has today. But anyway, we're, welcome, welcome, welcome. We've got a great show for you tonight. Like I always tell you guys, um, I'm a journalist, a photojournalist, and so I like to change it up a lot on the show. So I don't always have the same topics going on. And tonight's guest, Howard Reebok, and I hope I have his name right, is a recovering gambler. And he has a great story to tell in that he now helps other people who have gambling issues. And so he's going to tell us how he does that and how, you know, and he's going to tell us his story and how he helps others. Uh, give me a minute or so here. I'm this graphic that was supposed to come up. Ah, there we go. Give me a minute to pull the graphic up guys. Okay. This is the graphic is part of what we're doing here. So give me a second. You're going to see a lot more of me in a second here. Let me move this over. Make sure I can get this. I don't believe it. Is it not going in? Hang on a second. This is like the second time I've done this graphic and it doesn't seem to like it, like me. Ah, there we are. Okay. This is going to be a phone interview. So like I do with all the other phone interviews, I usually run a graphic. And for some reason today, the graphic just wasn't feeling it. It didn't want to come in today, you know, so. Um, this is like the third time I've done it. So hopefully three times a charm, but anyway, um, again, after reducing my team, if you're, if you're watching from Facebook tonight and you haven't done so before and, uh, welcome, I want to welcome everybody in who's new, who hasn't watched the show before. If you're watching from Facebook tonight and you like what you see, please be sure to hit that like button, thumbs up, smileys, whatever, you, whatever it is you hit. Because what it does is it puts us up in, higher in the algorithm and keeps us up there and puts the shot to more people. If you're watching from YouTube, same thing. You know, uh, hit, hit those like buttons and the happy faces and the hearts and all that good stuff. Uh, okay. <laughs> I feel like I'm thrown off a little bit today, and I am. <clears throat> Give me a minute here to gather my thoughts. I don't like doing last-minute things like this or having things go wrong. There's going to be a blooper reel coming out, too, by the way. Um. If you want to comment on what's going on, on the, during the show, feel free to do so. There is, we, we do have an open chat room, so uh, you know any of your suggestions or questions are are, are wanted. But uh, once we get rolling here, um, we're going to be live directly talking with uh, Howard. And I'm really, like I said, I'm excited about this. I worked uh, when, when I was working up in the foothills up here in Sacramento as a reporter. Uh, they were just putting in one of the Native American casinos up there. And a lot of the parents, and at that time, I never even thought about gambling as an addiction. 
So a lot of the parents would call me at the newspaper and say, oh my gosh, my, my kids are going to turn into gamblers. They're going to get addicted and all this is going to happen. And I just thought, well, they just don't want the casino up here because, you know, it's a casino. So um, now that I've been around longer as a news reporter, 20, almost 25 years, I understand what they're talking about. And gambling can be addictive. I mean, yeah, absolutely addictive. Okay. Well, let me give Howard a call and we'll get started here. And I apologize for the uh, kind of jumpy beginning of the show. But it is going to be on the phone. So you guys don't have to watch me. You guys can kind of like hang out or whatever you want to do. But we'll have dinner. So let me get this call going. Hi, Howard. How you doing? Hey, Charlotte. I'm doing well. What about you? I'm doing okay. Fairly, fairly good. Yeah. Nice, to, uh, nice to finally say hi. It is. It's great to talk how to you. Are? How are we doing? Is the connection okay? Yep. Sounds great. All right. Are we on a delay, Charlotte, or no? Straight up. Uh, I don't think we're on a delay. Okay. Uh, where are we? Uh, 606 in L.A.? Yeah. There we go. All right. So, do you do you edit this at all, or we're we're live to go? We are live right now. Unbelievable. All right. <laughs> well, hi everybody in Radio Land, and uh, thanks for spending your time with Charter and myself. I appreciate it. Tell me about you, sir. Uh, we only have an hour. Sixty-three would be too long a show. I'm sure. <laughs> what do you what What can I tell you? To summarize, one third of my life was normal, one third was messed up, and now one third is normal again. <laughs> so you got to figure, 67% of my life has been great, but the one third in the middle was really messed up, all due to gambling and my stupidity. Does that basically summarize it and sum it up and tell you how honest I am? Absolutely. Tell me about your gambling issue. A gambling issue? My gambling issue is the following. I come from a great middle-class family here in Montreal, Canada. I always wanted for nothing. Dad was a lawyer. Mom was a business lady. Brother in showbiz. Out in L.A., by the way. My late sister was a Cornell and Ivy League graduate, and I wanted nothing in the world. I somehow took a, took a left turn when I should have taken a right turn and got into the world of gambling. Fell in love with gambling. Fell in love with the casino. Fell in love with the whole nine yards, the money, the shows, the entire the entire world of gambling, and it went on to uh, to ruin my life. That's in a nutshell. That's what happened. Well, when you say fell in love, I can understand that. I mean, I've, I've been to some of those casinos, and and, and they're, they're pretty spectacular, you know. So I can see how somebody could uh, really fall for the bright lights and all that. Is, is that what happened? Well. Mm-hmm. We take it to a whole new level. We don't care about anything in the place aside from gambling. 
and money and money and money, and it becomes to a point where it's never enough. It's like a buffet. It's just never, never enough. And they say that, you know, 5% of those that gamble are pathological gamblers, which I categorically was, mm-hmm. and it just consumed my life. It took over my complete DNA, and it reached a point where my family and friends called me out on it, because I was messing up so much. And thank God that they did what they did. My family conducted a intervention in uh, in Los Angeles, as a matter of fact. And thank God they did. Thank God they knew what they were doing. Thank God I gave in and let them do what it was they're doing, which is ironic because now I do what it was they did then. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it worked. But up until that point, Charlotte, it was a complete and utter nightmare, and I made a mess of my life. When you... And now, mm-hmm. now I uh, I can I can well, I, I I seldom like to use the word happily, but I will use the word happily. Mm-hmm. Happily, not only turned things around, but went back to university at 39 years old to become what's called a doctor adjunct in mm-hmm. the world of gambling addiction, and now I teach dealers. I teach people, I teach law enforcement, uh, I work with loan sharks, I try and get people out of their problems. My nickname is called The Cleaner, mm-hmm. and everybody that walks into my office, um, there really isn't a story that I haven't heard. And as I mention all the time, um, that it takes one to know one, and if somebody comes to see me, I am not just somebody that has studied it, in other words, book-wise, mm-hmm. I've lived it, which mm-hmm. makes it a big difference. I mean, how do you go to a marriage counselor if somebody was never married? Right. How do you go to a divorce lawyer if they were never divorced or married? So I can actually say that I walk the walk and talk the talk. I get it. I get it. I get the the BS. And I don't know how anybody can try and walk all over me because it just doesn't work. They can try, but I'll show them the door very quickly. It doesn't work. Gotcha. When you first um, started gambling, what what was that like, and, and how, how did it gradually build up to where you were, you know, addicted to doing it? Well, it was uh, it was a case of it was never enough. If I made a dollar, I wanted a dollar fifty. Mm-hmm. If I had two dollars, I wanted two fifty. It just became it, it it actually it evolved to a point where it was never enough. It was three days a week I wanted it, seven days a week, seven days a week I wanted it, nine days a week. You have to remember, uh, you're talking to a Canadian up here in Montreal, Canada, and up until October 93, which is going to be 30 years ago in a couple of months, there were no casinos in Canada. The only time that I had a chance to gamble was either at the local racetrack, which I really didn't care for, though my dad owned horses. But the only way for me to gamble was either to fly to Atlantic City or drive, or, of course, fly to Vegas. Mm -hmm. Because in those days, 30 years ago, you had only two states of the 50 states that had gambling. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, you have 46 states, with the exception of a couple of states in New England. Every state has gambling, and every province of the 10 provinces have gambling. And if you want to consider online gaming, meaning on your iPhone or on your smartphone or on your iPad or your tablet or your laptop, 
there's a casino in your purse. There's a casino in your wallet. There's a casino in your basement. There's a casino in the office, right? Right. So what it was then and what it was now are literally two completely different worlds. So as you started to, you know, um, get, get into gambling, what was what, was it a gradual thing? I mean, as far as like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to maybe go to Las Vegas and go to the casino tonight. Or was it a thing where it was, like you say, you know, you got you got addicted so fast that, oh, my God, i got to be here all the time. Well, uh, it's true that I would like to have moved to Henderson or Nye County or Atlantic City, but that really wasn't terribly practical. So as much as I wanted to go, it's still, uh, you know, Atlantic City is still a 10-hour drive from Montreal. Mm-hmm. It is about two, three hours past New York City from Montreal. And, of course, Vegas, if you drove, it will take three days unless you take you know, uh, let's take a helicopter. Right. So as much as I wanted to go, I couldn't. So it was saved for those two or three times a year. But then again, I repeat, once casinos started opening mm-hmm. in, in Canada, it just became that much easier. But at the beginning, as much as you wanted to do it, you couldn't. Mm-hmm. You just know where to go. So then as you, so then as, as you started gambling, what what to you? What was the addiction to it? I mean, what what attracted you the most to it? Well, as, uh, as some of your listeners may know, you may know, I'm uh, I'm also a graduate pilot, commercial pilot, and when I was in flight school, I, unbeknownst to me and probably unhappily so, developed and learned that I had photographic memory, oh, which boy. is not great in blackjack because it is good. You know how to hone in on your skills and use it properly, but let's be honest. Right. I lost so much. Obviously, how great was my counting? Not that great. How great was my was my photographic memory? Obviously, not that great. I wouldn't be doing a show about it. So it's it's a bravado. I thought that I was the greatest, mm-hmm. and basically, I was the anti-greatest. And I just loved game of blackjack. I'm a math guy. I love trivia. I love the game of Jeopardy. I like to win. Uh, I'm curious. And the game of blackjack, unlike roulette, for instance, or bingo, where you hold a felt pen and you've got an N, which to me is not terribly exciting, or you go to a slot machine and put a $20 bill in and watch it flitter away in seconds. Blackjack, at least, is what I call a thinking man's game. Mm-hmm. There is a bit of an edge if you do it properly. But again, obviously I didn't do it properly or I wouldn't be doing the show. <laughs> right, so right. I, I, I just loved the game of blackjack. I, I enjoyed it. And by the way, uh, let me be completely, completely transparent. I still do. Okay. I still like the game. I, I like the math. I can play for toothpicks or for hot dogs. I just love the game. I got you. I got you. So as you started to go through money, and obviously you would if you, if you lost, where, where, where were you getting your money from? Um, not to be rude, okay, and not not to go off track. That doesn't really matter where I got okay. the money from. Suffice, okay. suffice to say, no, no, hang on, let me let me answer you as as much as I can, and I'll go right to the fence, then back up. The cardinal sin that I made sure of was I went after I exhausted all the regular places, meaning credit cards, friends, family, business, banks, what have you, 
paint the cardinal sin of going to the wrong the people, wow. the Nunzios of the world. And I apologize to anybody out there whose name is Nunzio. It's just a joke. But I think we all understand what it is that I'm trying to say. Right. Right. So when you when you go to the Nunzios of the world, yeah, you don't get frequent flyer points. You don't get to go to the lounge. And you don't get dollar, you know, cash dollar back. You have mm-hmm. to pay, you know, anywhere between 3 and 5% a week. Uh, what's called juice or big on the money that you borrowed, which, of course, if you take an average of 4%, that's 208% a year. Well, nobody could ever pay back a loan for 208% interest a year. You drown, you die, and then you die again. You keep on dying. Okay. Okay. So about how long did, did you do this before your family realized that you had a problem? Uh, I would say probably it was a good uh, eight years, seven, eight years. Wow. But again, let, let, me, let me, you know, again, be perfectly straight that in those seven, eight years, it was not a constant battle. It was not a constant time going to the casino because, again, I repeat, the casino wasn't here. Right. You couldn't do it. And also, not to date myself or to age myself, but we didn't have iPhones in those days, uh, nor laptops with all the gambling apps that we have now, which is a whole other show we can do one day. Um, you couldn't gamble unless you physically went to a casino. Right. So I didn't have the luxury, which in this case, thank God, a thousand times over, I wasn't able to go to a casino all that often. But believe me, whatever I did do, and for the amount of times I did go, it was way too many. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a sickness, Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Uh, no different than, than alcoholism, uh, shopping, uh, sex addiction. You know, right now, the Canadian and American governments, and of course, many European countries, now call gambling addiction a disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no pill to take, obviously. Although there are some new medications coming up that suppress the, the dopamine going in your head. But there are classes, there's therapy, there's rehab homes. And quite frankly, um, part of my deal when I had the family intervention was I had to promise to go to rehab, which of course I did, and as it turned out, everybody that goes to rehab is assigned a therapist. And after a couple of weeks, the therapist that was assigned to me basically told me that I was not an addict anymore. I was just depressed because I messed up my life. Mm-hmm. And it was her recommendation that I just get my ass out of there, go home, and start my life again. Because gambling at that point absolutely sickening me, would turn me off, no different than, than getting food poisoning mm-hmm. uh, or going on a ride in a music park and I wanted to go back after you vomited your head up. I had absolutely no desire to gamble. What I did have, though, and I'm happy for that, is I had a great desire to go back to university, as I said, at 29 right. years old, and study exactly why it was that I did what it was that I did and why I did what it was, what I did, and why others do it. And that became a passion of mine. And I'm in my early 60s. I went to school at university back in my early, my late 30s. So I've been at this for a long, long time, and it never
similar problems. But as I say, I feel like the guy that puts Humpty Dumpty back together again. There's no greater feeling in the world, Scarlett, than taking somebody or their family who's broken, who comes to see me as broken human beings, as broken individuals, fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, friends, broken. And they work with me for a couple of months, and I literally am able, in most cases, to help them put them back together again. And for that, I'm thankful. Why do people get get you know get to the point that they're addicted? That's a million dollar question. Uh, nobody, nobody, nobody really knows. But you know, uh, Freud, Freud had a saying, uh, which basically was the explanation. Uh, what insanity is, what insane is, mm-hmm. and and that is when you bang your head against the wall over and over, and you expect a different outcome. Um, that's what people do, not realizing that the only ones that win in the world of casinos or gambling are the casino operators. You cannot win. You may be able to win temporarily, mm-hmm. of course. No different than you might have a couple of nice days of weather in January in Montreal. It may happen, but don't come up here with your flip-flops and t-shirt and shorts, because as a rule, you're going to freeze your ass off. Mm-hmm. So it does happen. It's a phenomenon, yeah. Some people can make money, but much like the government, they never close. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, they'll bite you in the rear end, and they'll win. And they always do. And the only way to win is two ways. A, not to gamble, mm-hmm. and B, if you are the casino. That's it. Nothing else. No other way. No other way. Do they let you win just enough to, uh, to keep you at the table? Sorry? Is, is, is it a case with the casinos where, like with you being a card player like you were, do, do they let you win a, a few hands just enough to keep you at the table? Well, it's, it's a great question, but it's, it's, it's a non sequitur. Okay. It's not that they let you win. Nobody lets you win. Okay. It's the reverse. You let yourself lose. Okay. It's, uh, you know, as a, as, a, as a pilot, we have the saying: "There's no such thing in the air as a as a near as a near miss. Mm-hmm. The opposite of a near miss is a near hit, right? Right. So it's, they don't they don't let you win. We let ourselves lose. <laughs> That's the way it works out, right? right? They don't let you do anything. They let you they let you run the course of what gambling is all about. You will win, and you will lose. But in the long run, you will lose more than you will win, which means that you're a loser, and the casinos, they're winners. Of course. Of course. So when somebody comes to you for help, what's the process you do? Well, um, I'll, I'll begin by, um, by, by telling your audience and yourself something that very few, if any, therapists will do. And, and I'll just back up a little bit. Okay. Um, I, I am not a huge believer, and I want to be very clear that this is only my opinion. I'm not telling you that I'm right, and I'm not telling you that I'm wrong, but I do have huge differences with my colleagues as gambling therapists. Number one, I believe that the best gambling therapist is somebody that has lived it. Mm-hmm. No different than being a male gynecologist. And I'm not saying this to be funny. What I'm trying to do is draw a parallel and say that when a woman goes to 
a male gynecologist and says, Doc, I have a pain. And the doc says, oh, I understand. I say, BS, maybe otherwise he understands. Scholastically, he understands. Mentally, he may understand. But he can't really understand because he's a guy. Mm-hmm. Meaning that I draw the parallel that when somebody goes to see a gambling therapist, you can see a therapist with 48 degrees in their wall. They may have taken 98 courses, 17 years, and I appreciate that. And I'm not making fun of that. But unless somebody lived or lives what I lived through, meaning only the new deals of the world money, wanting to jump off a bridge, being taken to a bridge, and almost pushed over a bridge, mm-hmm. almost being a hopeless and homeless, sweating 3 o'clock in the morning, having headaches, having stomach aches, unless somebody has gone through the throes of what I've gone through, in my opinion, and my opinion only, they can't understand the people that come see them as a gambling therapist. Makes sense. Hopefully that makes sense to you. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Makes yeah. a lot and, of sense. And to answer your question of four minutes ago, the first thing that I do, Charlotte, and it's a very, very bizarre tactic that I've been doing it for 20 plus years is the following. I was beaten up and left for dead when I owed a lot of money 20 plus years ago. I had the police stop at a local mall and take a picture of me. If you remember those photo booths, for some of your younger right. listeners, maybe they don't remember, but long before the iPhone, uh, we had photo booths in, in shopping centers. And for a quarter, you just step in a booth, and they would take three pictures, and it would come out black and white, and there you go. So I had the cops actually stop me, stop me, take me and stop, and I took pictures. And what I do is I have a picture of me from 20-plus years ago where I look like a raccoon. I look unrecognizable. Every color under the rainbow, from green to blue to purple to black, I look like a fruit stand, every color, unrecognizable. And I keep that picture on my desk, in my office, and I look at it every day, never wanting to go back to that life. Mm -hmm. And when somebody comes to see me the first time, Charlotte, I show them that picture, and for five minutes, there's silence, and it works. Wow. Wow. man, how's that a powerful story? All true, all true. So then, um, like you say, every story for every gambler is different. In what way are they different? Can you tell me that? Well, every story is different. I mean, I'm responsible for taking care of over 3,500 patients over 22 plus years. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you people who have come to me uh, wanting to pay me off because they still didn't think that they caused enough damage and they're only here because the court ordered them, mm-hmm. and they still think they know better, all the way to people who are suicidal, and eventually they did off themselves because they couldn't take the embarrassment and all the money that they owed. Every story probably has about 80 to 85 percent of similarities, no different than alcoholism or drug users, but then what I like to say, it's like a tree. It 
incredible my other question i had too you know it's fine and dandy to you know go walk away and get help but what happens to the money that you owe or and the people that you owe the money to Short, lo and behold, 
I was called by my client, and he dropped off a shoebox of $20,000, a $20 bill, blah, blah, blah. Called my guy, who was a loan shark, and I said, I'm ready. Made an appointment, and I went to go see him the next day with $20,000 in a shoebox, wrapped up $20 bills in elastic bands. Straightforward story so far, right? Right. Easy to understand? All good? Right. Just like the opening of Get Smart, for some of your younger listeners who may not remember, walk through about 15 doors into a bar, north here in Nevada, in Montreal, and finally, I had to sit down with the main player, in this case, the guy whose money it was, and I handed him the box, very polite, you know, there were six goons around him, mm-hmm. and he said, is all the money here? And I went, yes. And he said the following, did you count it? And I said, yes. He goes, okay, thank you. And I turned my little rear end around, and as fast as my little five, seven foot and a half legs could take me out of there into my car, that's how quickly I went into my car, driving back to town, back to my home. Fantastic. About six minutes into my drive home, the phone rang. It was him. I answered the phone, and he said the following. Where are you? I said, where am I? I said, I'm seven minutes away. I just left your plate. He said, turn around and come back. So, of course, doesn't matter what color pants I was wearing. There were shades of brown and beige, mm-hmm. obviously. Right. I said, what's the matter? He said, what's the matter? Turn around and come back. Because if not, I know where you live. But it would be a lot easier if he came back. I said, okay. Took the next exit. Turned around. I went back to the bar. They were expecting me. Walked all the way through to the back. Sit down, he said. I sat down. And this is what happened, Charlotte. He said to me, did you count the money? I said, of course. He said, I'll ask you one more time. Did you count the money? I said, the truth is, I didn't. I made the cardinal sin of lying, and I didn't count the money. Because the money was dropped off to me very late the night before. I was tired, and I didn't count the money. And he said, in this job, Reback, you count the money. So, of course, I was ready for a beating. This is what he did. He threw two... $20 bills at me, and he said, you overpaid. Wow. Yep. And I said, you couldn't have told me that the phone? He said, no, it goes both ways. Next time, count the money. So that was a great lesson to show you that there is honesty amongst thieves. I paid $20,040, and he gave me back 40 bucks. How's that for a story? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. I mean, it probably cost me 50 in new underwear, but it was quite a lesson. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. True story. When you started, uh, let me ask you this too. When you started getting involved and having to go to these, 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 these undesirables, it will, you know, we'll call them undesirables. What, was it scary at first? Um, to say it was scary would be like saying, um, is there climate change? Mm-hmm. And I'd rather live on a beach or in um, in, uh, 
16 guys whose names are Bob and Nunzio. They're 6'3". And by the way, most of them are Packers. I think that bothered me because looking at me, they almost gave me a heart attack. Of course it was scary. I remember the time, well, I remember very often we would meet at ridiculous times, 3 o'clock in the morning, 4.15 in the park. I mean, absolutely. But I have to tell you that in, in complete transparency, and in all honesty, again, as usual, as for always, they, they're not there to hurt you, Charlotte. Mm-hmm. They don't make a living with dead conduits or dead clients. Mm-hmm. They want you to honor their deal. They are very much like Visa and MasterCard or Capital One. They don't want you to pay back the principal. They make a living when you pay them their interest every week. That's where the money is. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, when you make a deal with them, their word is as good as your word. That's all they want. I mean, I don't want to get get fancy about it or get funny or, or become cocky about it or abrasive, but their job is to lend you money, and your job as somebody that takes the money is to pay it back. No, no different than, than a credit card company. I mean, I would rather pay 29.9% than 209%, mm-hmm. but it's both offensive, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a great story. There's a great story that I tell. I don't know what intro you may have given your listeners, but aside from being a gambling therapist, I'm a mediator okay. in the province of Quebec. And mediation basically is what I do when it comes to gambling therapists anyway. There's a great story that I was in Toronto, and for some of your listeners, they should know Toronto is the biggest city in Ontario, whereas Montreal is the biggest city in Quebec. Quebec would be like Arizona, Ontario would be like California. It's a five and a half hour drive. And I was in Toronto, St. Patrick's, and I had pulled into a gas station simply to fill up gas, I go to my hotel and get ready to fight What happened was, as I was walking into the gas station to pay, I noticed everybody running out. Which I found very odd. Long story short, when I walked into the little house, hut where I was to pay, where they, they sold donuts and, and soft drinks and what have you, right. they were being robbed. And the guy was waving a gun at the cashier, and I basically walked in an armed robbery. And mm. before you knew it, it was me, the guy waving the gun, and the young fellow behind Cat, who turned every color under the rainbow, and he too had brown pants, I think. Mm. And the man told me to, you know, as in the movies, put your hands up, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, no, no. I do this for a living. I said to him, what are you doing? He said, do you see that I have a gun? To make a long story short, I said, listen, you are going to have this building surrounded by cops in a few minutes anyway. I'm a mediator. I've had some pretty bad days in my life. Let me work with you. Let's let the cashier out. He said, why? I said, because he has me. Uh, you have my brand new car outside. Here are the keys. Let the guy go. Um, you know there's only 50 or 60 bucks in the cash, and he actually let the cashier go, and before you knew it, the entire building was bay windows, top to 
the guy down. And what happened was, while I was talking to him, I had asked him if he was hungry. And he said, am I hungry? What, what, what are you talking about? I said, look, you're robbing the place anyway. Go get us a couple of Cokes and a couple of chocolate bars. And he did. He said, I can't do that. I said, you're robbing the place. Of course you can do that. Anyway, long story short, um, we had Cokes together. We had a couple of donuts and chocolate bars together. And I promised him that if he just puts the gun down, which he did, I kicked it away. Me and guns don't exactly get along. Mm-hmm. Um, kicked the gun away. I said, I'll come with you to the police station. I'll help you. Long story short, instead of getting three years, he got 90 days house arrest. After the first two years, his wife would call me and thank me, and they'd send me Christmas cards. Yeah, true story. Nice. No, very nice. Very nice. Crazy story. Yeah. When you go through treatment for addiction... When you go through uh, treatment for addiction, what, what's the process? I mean, obviously, there's that first meeting, uh, like you spoke of. But what happens after that? How long does it usually take? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you that going to rehab or the program is probably like comparing snowflakes. Meaning, there are no two programs alike. Normally, normally, the program started last anywhere between 66 days and 120 days. But there's no usual, there's no steadfast program. That's usually what it is. One, one, of, one of the ugly statistics of a rehab, which I don't mind discussing because, let's be honest, is that the average person goes to rehab three and a half times, mm-hmm. which obviously means that when you go to rehab the first time for 90 days, you relapse. And when you go back a second time, you relapse. And when you go back to third time, you relapse. I really am one-tenth of one percent of the people that got it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that others won't get it, but you have to really be committed. No different than, than going on a diet. Mm-hmm. No different than working out. No different than many things in life. But as a rule, it's very, very, it's very, very difficult mm-hmm. once you're in the throes of an addiction. And we're talking about gambling addiction tonight, of course. Right. But the, the, the program itself normally is you're inside for, like I said, 66 days. But you have to remember, out of a seven-day week in the rehab center, on the weekend, there's nothing going on. Mm-hmm. Mostly sports, uh, movies, uh, downtime. And during the week, there's only rehab and therapy in the morning for a few hours, and in the afternoon, every other day, in general, this is not the rule, in general, I think, every rehab home runs differently. Everybody's assigned their own therapist. I think that I only saw my therapist three times a week for about an hour and a half at a time. So you got to figure, there are 168 hours in a week. Right. Think your own private therapist for an hour and a half, that means three and a half, excuse me, my math isn't too good. That's why I lost the blind check. Four and a half hours a week, four and a half hours a week out of 168 hours is not really a huge amount of time for one-on-one help, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you come to see me in a prime setting, you come to see me twice a week for an hour and a half or two hours each, and I'll knock the bejeebers out of you, and I'm known to be not a fluffy, stuffy kind of 
nuts and bolts. We came here. That's not to say that I'm going to be able. Right. But we came here with a problem, and we're going to fix it. This is not a joke. This is not funny. There's nothing funny about it. I have seen suicide. I have seen people blow their brains out. I have been to crime scenes. People jumped in front of the subway. People jumped off bridges. People have beaten the crap out of their partners. This is not a joke. This is not a joke. Casinos are not all great fancy meals and women dressed in short dresses serving drinks. This is not a joke. Gambling addiction is serious business. And if anybody has a problem, if not me, I suggest that they get help. In general, it just gets worse. It doesn't get better. What are some of the signs to look for, you know, in, in people? Well, that's one of my four things. I love to go, I don't say love, that may be wrong, but at this point, maybe after 30 odd years, 40 years of business, when I go to a casino, normally within the first couple of minutes, I can spot a pathological gambler. Somebody might be talking to the machine, talking to the playing cards if they're playing pie gal, they're playing blackjack, they're sweating, they're fidgeting, they're nervous, their fingers are going a mile a minute, they're, they're not themselves. They look like they're possessed. So I go with the paranormal. I call it paraabnormal. Mm-hmm. It's people who are not in their right mind, but who would be if they were home watching TV with their family. The entire building, the entire act of gambling is all-encompassing. You feel that you have a system, you feel you can beat it, and you have a look in your eyes. Your The eyes are soulless. Your eyes are hollow. It looks like you are possessed. And instead of going to the casino and walking in with a smile on your face and walking out with a smile on your face. I always say the following. Look at the doors. Look at the doors. Look at the entrance. And you will see people holding their hands with each other, smiling, laughing, cajoling, gibbeting, smiling. Now look at the exit doors. Looking at the carpet. Mm -hmm. Not talking. Not holding the hand of their partner. Do we see a pattern here? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's fascinating. That's absolutely fascinating. It is, it is to the point where I am urging, and in Canada, I am working with the federal government ever so lightly right now. Just starting about eight weeks ago, working with the federal minister, which. The equivalent in the United States would be working with people in D.C., mm-hmm. your governor and your senators, to lobby for anti-gambling programs. Now, let me be clear. Like smoking, like drinking, like prostitution, whether it's legal or illegal, it's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. There's too much money. It cannot go anywhere. So we, as Canadians, and American citizens have no choice but to learn to live with it because it's not going anywhere. We can't keep blaming them. What I want to do is I want to swim with the fish. 
I want to work with the legislature, legislators. I want to work with the casino operators. I want to work with the governor, with the senators, with what we call the equivalent MPs, ministers of parliament, meaning the people who work under our prime minister or in the states under the president, okay. the vice president. We have to be able to work together. I would love for kids to learn about gambling in high school, the same way they learn about geography. It's very important. It's too easy to fall into a trap of gambling, of owing money. It's too easy, Charlotte. It's too easy, and the price that people pay is too difficult. Well, it's like anything else. It's like even playing the slot machines. I mean, even with me, you know, you, you start playing, and then all of a sudden you win a little bit, you know, and then you think, well, if I put some more in there, I'll, I'll win more. This, this machine's ready to hit. I can feel it. And then the next thing you know, uh, I, all the money you brought in, boom, gone. I want to have all the respect in the world for you and all your listeners. But when somebody tells me they have a feeling, mm -hmm. I must laugh hilariously to myself. There is no such thing as a feeling. In a slot machine, which is roughly two-thirds the size of an ATM machine, in some cases bigger. It's run by the same size SIM card in anybody's cell phone. There are millions and millions and millions of algorithms, meaning you can feel, you can think, you can look, you can watch, you can study. It's all BS. Every time you press a button or you pull that lever, God knows what's going to happen next. There is no such thing as a deal. You realize that. Yeah, of course, of course. But, I mean, that's what people think, though, you know, when they're playing. I mean, that's just the mentality that they have, and that's what keeps them going and putting the money in there. You know, uh, as, I, as, I, as I always say, we have to remember that the people that build casinos are, are not dummies. It's built by engineers, psychiatrists, therapists, psychiatrists. People understand the human genome that every time you put one dollar slot machine, it will pay 94 cents. What does that mean? It means you're going to lose 6 cents. Right. The house will make 6 cents. So if you make 94 cents in a dollar, start again. Put the 94 cents in. You will win 89 cents. Right. Put the 89 cents in. You will win 83 cents. Keep on doing it. You end up with nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, as, as, as a good friend of mine once said, Las Vegas was not built by winners. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, a, it's a fascinating, fascinating world. And they try and promote the world of casinos where we can have fun, which is where it should be. And let me reiterate that 94 or 95% of the people who walk into a casino are not sick and they do have fun and they do go to the casino and they do go to Vegas and they do go to Atlanta City for the right reason. But I'm worrying about the five, six or seven percent of the people that don't go for the right reason. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm worried about. That's mm -hmm. what I've dedicated my life to. I'm not worrying about those people that go for the right reason. It's, you know, seven percent of those, a lot of people. Mm -hmm. United States is 400 million.
they picture. They say one third of all Americans of age gamble at least once a month. A third of 400 million people is 135 million people. A third of that, 35, 40 million people a month gamble at least once. You do the math and you wonder why there's so much trouble. So what happens to somebody that goes into therapy, but they still owe money to say a loan shark? How does that work? Uh, it doesn't work because okay. a loan shark doesn't care if you go to rehab or not. Uh, number one, if they can't catch you, they will wait till you come out or they will approach the family. Mm -hmm. loan, loan sharks are not known to go away. They're like the IRS. They're not going anywhere. You can go away to Cuba for a week and come back and you know what? The IRS will still be open. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was curious about that. Anywhere. I was curious about that. I think it's great what you're doing. You know that, that that you were able to turn your you know your your own story around to help others. I, I think it's wonderful what Thank you're doing. You. Thank you. It's um it's become a passion of mine. It's taken me around the world. I get to teach. I get to help. I get to see different countries. I get to spend a lot of time in casinos, which I happen to love. Mm -hmm. It's great. The only problem is I'm now on the other side of the fence. Right, <laughs> right. So when you're talking to people and you tell them your story, can you right. tell by looking out at the audience, you know, who might be going through something and who and, and who isn't? I gave a seminar a couple of months ago to a certain group of government employees. There are about 250 people in the room. And I can say that 10% of the people, 25 to 30 people, were fidgeting, Scarlett, in their chair. They were sweating. They were looking around to see who was looking at them. Meaning, mm -hmm. 100%, I could tell, of course. Not all the time, not every person, but in general, absolutely. Absolutely. Sure, 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 sure. It, um... It takes one to know one. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to say that I was one. I am not one now, but you never forget where you came from. Mm -hmm. Never. Mm -hmm. Never. It's ingrained in me, and I can sit at a blackjack table, for argument's sake, and I don't want all your listeners to go, what do you mean? Allow me to finish. If I'm there on a case, because the husband says, I think my wife is at the casino. Or the wife says, I think my husband is there. So I'm given money to play with to try and out them out to take pictures. I won't get into too much graphic detail. But I can tell who's there to have fun mm -hmm. and who's there to try and make their rent money for the next couple of months. There's a certain look in people which is a very, very, as I said before, it's a hollow soul look in their eyes, Charlotte, which is so unfortunate, so sad, so pathetic, so egregious, so ugly, so unsettling, that very often I try and pull them aside, and yes, I have, on a number of occasions, gotten into trouble by the casinos telling me to mind my own business, but in the same breath, Allow me to say this, most of my business comes from law enforcement or casino employees who tell players, look, I can't play the league, well, why don't you call Mr. Retax, blah, 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 and I'll give them my name and number, and that's what 
Right. And then, you know, mothers against drunk drivers and now fathers against drunk drivers are going to be all over the case. A flight attendant has the right when to cut you off. The problem is casinos, blackjack dealers, technicians who watch people play at the slot machines do not have the right to cut you off. And that's wrong. And that's where people get into trouble. You see the difference? Absolutely, absolutely. Now, if that's what makes me passionate about what I do, because I hate, I can't stand, I loathe when I see somebody who's a good person but has bad things happen to them. I was one of them, and I wish that I had a Howard to help me, but I didn't. Absolutely. I either did it on my own, or in the end, I repeat, I'm lucky that I had my family behind me to help. Now, question I have is, what can people do if they feel somebody in their family has an addiction problem like this? Well, what I would tell them to do, and again, this is not an infomercial, like the pillow guy, okay. I would suggest they call me. I don't know if you're allowed to give out my number. Absolutely. Email address. Okay. Uh, my number in Montreal, area code 514 for young people that, that can't wait till they turn 18 or 21 who, who want to go to the casinos? The answer is, Charlotte, that the fun is not all that's cracked up to be. No different than drinking. Drink like a fish at a party, but you will end up getting sick, vomiting, and have a headache like there's no tomorrow, or drugs, which you get sick and it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Look, I... I let me, let me be very clear. I am not here being Mother Teresa. Mm -hmm. I am not a rabbi. I am not a priest. I am not telling you that you have to abstain for the rest of your life. But what I am saying is, my mantra is, moderation is consideration. Too much of anything is no good. You want to have two egg rolls for dinner? That's fine. Don't have 67. Mm -hmm. Want to go for a pizza? Don't have 32 slices. Mm -hmm. You want to have a cigarette every couple of weeks? Don't have two packs a day. I still believe in the year 2023, we are, as homo sapiens, bright enough to know the difference between right and wrong. And never, ever walk into a casino with 
more money than you're willing to leave behind. Gotcha. Howard, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. It's absolutely a pleasure. It's an honor. And I urge anybody out there, call me. Get in touch with Charlotte. She can put you in touch with me. Mm -hmm. Call your local advocate. But if you feel there's a problem, and let's be honest, you know who you are. If you have a problem, if you're thinking, do I have a problem? That means you do have a problem. So please, I urge you, take care of yourself. This isn't a joke. Charlotte, thank you ever so much. And for Montreal, Canada, I say thank you for your time. And it was a complete honor and a complete pleasure. All the very best to you and all your California hunt listeners. Thank you so much, Howard. You have a good rest of the evening, okay? All the very best to you. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, that was uh, Howard Ryback. I've got, okay, let me turn this over here. That was Howard Ryback. And uh, yeah, I mean, that, like I said in the beginning, even though the show started out kind of shaky because of the graphics issues, as I said in the beginning of the show, I'm, I remember back when uh, I was working out in Roseville and they were just building a casino out there. And I, and I was new at it, you know, so I didn't know. I'd, <laughs> I mean, I, I was going to the Indian casinos up in. Um, I'm sorry, Native American casinos up up in Jackson at that time, and and, and it didn't bother me because I never run into anybody that had problems. But the, the there were a lot of parents that were upset that they were putting the casino in because they thought that their kids were going to turn into gambling addicts, you know. And so I mean, you know, I I just, I just kind of went okay, fine, and wrote the stories up, and I didn't give it a second thought. But after after hearing Howard and reading different you know, about different cases about this stuff, it happens. It happens more often than not, and it's it's something that that families can help out with and, and get a hold of people like Howard. It's good there's people like Howard out there that have that experience. Okay, shifting gears. Uh, tomorrow night we'll be back at our usual time at 6.30 p.m. Pacific with Casual Fridays and uh, Nancy Matz, and we're going to be talking about the Red Brick of God. What's that, you ask? Glad you asked that. The Red Brick of God is that, is, is that, that, that what I call is I, my, my V8 moment. Those things that happen that, that slap you right in the face and wake you up and and in our life changing, kind of like what Howard went through, you know, with, with his gambling. And then now he helps people, you know, uh, sometimes, sometimes it takes a real good slap on the side of the head to, to, to get, to get yourself back on track. And that's what we call uh, finding God. You know, you laugh because sometimes people you meet in your life, you know, that were maybe jerks to you or something. All of a sudden they're nicey, nicey to you because something's happened to them. They had a heart attack or something weird's happened to them like that. And I always say, oh, so-and-so found God. And that's what that is. That's what we call the Red Brick of God. So we're going to be talking about cases of the Red Brick of God. And I know Nancy's uh, known people that have uh, run, run into that, literally. And uh, that's what tomorrow's topic is going to be with Nancy Matz. Okay? I hope you guys like the show tonight. I'm sorry for the slow start and the uneven start because I was trying to get things working on the computer and nothing was being cooperative. What else is new? An old computer. But I think it turned out pretty well, and I'm real glad Howard came on because it's, it's a message that has to go out to everybody, and I mean everybody. All right. If you're watching from Facebook and you like what you saw today, please be sure to give us – I see, I see a couple hearts up there. Please be sure to give us hearts, thumbs up, happy faces, all that good stuff. Same thing with uh, YouTube. If you're watching from YouTube, be sure to do the same thing. Always looking for that to, to, to keep moving up in that, uh, that algorithm. Keep us up there. Uh, if you haven't done so already and you like what you saw tonight on Facebook, please be sure to follow. 
You can follow me directly, or you can follow the numerous California Haunts pages, plus the California Haunts radio pages. Same thing with uh, YouTube. There's a little ghost in the bottom right-hand corner down there, and if you click on that, that'll subscribe you to our videos. We have over 581 videos sitting at YouTube, and they're different topics like this. We just don't always cover ghosties and, and things like that. We we like to cover stuff like this to help people. I mean, I'm going I'm to help people. When I became a newspaper reporter, that was my goal. My goal was to get news out that would help people. That's what I wanted to do, and that's what I did throughout my career. So I'm still continuing. You know, I brought that forward to this. All right. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, we are Cal Haunts. If you want to find us over at TikTok, we are California Haunts over on TikTok. And at Twitch, I believe we are Cal Haunts. And if you want to find me over on Instagram and follow me over there, because if, if it should TikTok go down, uh, I'm going to be transferring all the TikTok stuff over to Instagram. That is Ghosty Gal, and it's all lowercase. All right. So anyway, like I always say, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here. We're just trying to get the word out about about this show. It's like the little show that it's like that little the, 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 the little train that could, right? That engine that could. This is a little show that could. Every month we get more and more popular. Every, every month there's more downloads. Every month there's more views. And boy, you know, we're, we're, we're like on that ball thing in Indiana Jones where it's just rolling, 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 and we're building up, building up, building up. And I appreciate each and every one of you, George out in France, you know, and everybody from around the world that listens to us. It's incredible. It's incredible to see that map and where it lights up. I'm just really excited about that. Anyway, again, Nancy Matz will be with us tomorrow, usual time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. And again, thank you guys for coming. Oh, and the Patreon. You guys haven't checked out the Patreon yet. You guys need to go over there. Patreon's really cool. I've got a new video up over there, and I, I think you guys are going to like it. Uh, that video won't be released for like two weeks, so you guys should check it out because that's what the Patreon's about. It's about or. It's about early views of those videos, and not only that, I think that next starting next week, I think Nancy is going to come on and do uh, do extra questions and answers and readings over over at the Patreon. So we're going to set up a night for that. So just to let you guys know and have a heads up, but it's only for Patreon members. So go over and check out the California Haunts Patreon. Just type in California Haunts Radio Patreon, and it'll take you right over. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to shut up, and I'm going to let you guys get back to your evening. And I hope you you like the show, and I hope that I, I hope it hits home. And all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Bye-bye.